0: City Church, and we are just excited that you're here with us, especially after last week, the incredible storm that hit our city. I mean, I shouldn't be surprised by now, I've lived in Calgary for almost 25 years that these things happen, but boy, that was a a nasty one, and I know that for many of you, you decided to stay home. Uh, We applaud you for that, to be safe with your families, but we are so glad that you're here today, and I want to encourage you. If you were not here and you did not hear the message that Pastor Peter preached, it was a great message that started our series that I'm going to continue on here today called Strange Exchange. Um, but he talked about Jesus being the leader of our lives, that we need the Good Shepherd to lead us, guide us, and direct us. And so if you miss that, I want to encourage you to go to our website, www.eastsidecitychurch.ca, Every week, those messages are there. You can catch up, and I know that you will be blessed if you do that. Well, I want to continue our series today, and I'm excited about this series. And we've all heard the statement that opposites attract, right? We, we've heard that statement before. And I remember when I was in elementary school and uh, I, I was in science and they, the teacher brought in the magnets and it was like, you, you, you were like, well, how does magnetism work? And it was like, well, you have to have two opposites because if you put two positives together, what would they do? They'd repel each other. Or if you put two negatives together, it would do the same thing. There would be this repulsion that would go on. But if you put a positive and a negative together, all of a sudden you'd have this magnetic force that would be difficult to pull apart depending on how strong it was. Well, who here knows that just as in nature, life tends to have some of the same type of ideas? Uh, Who knows that when it comes to relationships, many times opposites attract. Now, I don't need you today to uh, to uh, raise your hand here today, or you can wink at me if you want to, but who here would say that uh, your spouse or your significant other today, you would say you're pretty much opposite to each other, that the way that you see things, oh, I've got hands going up over here. I-, I-, I would agree with that. My My wife and I, we see the world completely different, but who here knows that Because of uh, uh, just God's love and his grace and the way that he does things, it produces a very strong relationship because opposites do attract. Well, uh, uh, the reason I'm sharing this is when we talk about the strange exchange, what we're talking about is when Jesus died on the cross, I've got to be honest here, some strange mojo happened. It was an exchange that reversed the impact and penalty of our sin and, and and when I talk about the the strange exchange what I mean by this is that we know this that when Jesus died. It did what for us? It gave us what? Life. So his death produced life. It was his, the, 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 he, went, he, went, he allowed himself to be, go down and be buried so that what we could be raised up. So when I talk about the strange exchange, that's what I mean. That, that when the Bible talks about what Jesus did, it, it was that there's these things that are at work that have now impacted our lives. And so here's what I want to talk about. Over the next few weeks, We're going to examine what Jesus did for us, or there are other exchanges that he did on our behalf. So, as I begin here, I I love to talk about my kids. I kind of pick on them a little bit. When my son Isaac was a baby, one of the things about him, and maybe you had a kid like this, he loved to eat. In fact, you could not feed him fast enough. He was one of those children that in the midst of feeding him his food, if my wife wasn't fast enough at getting the food from the bowl into his mouth, he would start screaming and yelling. I mean, we're talking about like a one-second moment that she had here to feed him. And he just, he just devoured everything except for this, peaches. I couldn't believe it. My wife would put the peaches in the bowl She'd stick it in his mouth, and immediately the peaches would come back out. She'd put another bite in. At first, you're like, oh, he just maybe got a bad bite. Stick it in, peaches would come out. He did not like peaches. He rejected the peaches. Why am I sharing this? Well, because today's message, and I couldn't think of a, a better title, was this. When it comes to the life, the love that Jesus had for us was From Rejected to Completely Accepted that Jesus died so that we would took the rejection of mankind so that you and I could be accepted by God. Would you just bow your heads and pray with me today? Heavenly Father, I pray today, Lord, that you would just open our hearts to be able to receive, Father God, what you have for us. Lord, would you make our spirits just able to hear what your spirit wants to communicate with us. Open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, God, that your love is so great, it is so big, it is so powerful. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said, amen. Well, if you would turn with me to the book of Isaiah, we're going to look at an Old Testament prophecy we have concerning the work and ministry of Jesus. We're going to look today at Isaiah chapter 53, verses 2 to 4. And I'm going to be reading out of the New Living Translation. So if you have your Bibles, you can follow along with me. Or if you have your Bible device on your phone or your iPad, that's great as well. If not, just follow along on the screen. And here's what it says in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 2, starting there. It says, My servant, who's Jesus, grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. A man of sorrow, Oh, he was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with the deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. I want to start off by sharing this today about Jesus. We may not realize this, but Jesus was probably not a very good-looking man if we look at the Bible. He was not ruddy, the ruddy, handsome heart throb that people and movies have made him out to be. I know when we, we see stories about Jesus, he's always depicted as this certain type of man with free flowing hair and a nicely trimmed beard. In fact, I remember growing up that, that my grandmother had a big picture of Jesus in her house. I've talked about it, that she, she just loved him. She's like, man, look how handsome that little Jewish boy is. She would look at it, and I was kind of creeped out a little bit by it, but that's what she did. But but she had this big picture that fit what I call the North American stereotype about what people believed who he was. You see, here's what it is. Miraculously, uh, he was of white European descent. Even though he was born in the Middle East, it's an amazing thing. He had blue eyes and a long, and long flowing brown hair with a perfectly trimmed beard. When you looked at the picture, you would have thought that he was a movie star, that everybody was like, wow, I could see where my grandma's like, man, that, that is a good looking man in that picture. You know the saying, the guys wanted to be him, the girls wanted to be with him? That, that's what this picture depicted. But when I read the Bible, that's not what it says. That's not how it describes him. You see, more than likely, Jesus was just an average-looking Middle Eastern man. If you saw him in the crowd, he would not have stood out because of his appearance. You wouldn't have been like, oh, man, I I, got to see this guy. Oh, look at, oh, wow, Jesus, oh, he's so cool, he's so awesome, man, he just looks so great. You see, and and at first that kind of troubled me that I would say, now, how can the Son of God not be like super attracted. I mean, he's God. Wouldn't that be the way that, I mean, if I was God, that's how I would do it. But you, when you look at his life, you realize that there was nothing conventional about the way Jesus came to earth. First of all, he was born to a common family in a small town. Not where I would see a king coming in, not where I would see the Savior of the universe coming into. And that's why a lot of people in his society, the Jews, could not receive him as the Messiah. He didn't come as this kingly thing. In fact, we look at the Christmas story. He was born in a cave that was used to house animals. You see, there's nothing kingly or movie star about that. But that's just the point. Jesus did not initially come to be the ruler of the nations, even though the Bible says that he will rule the nations and he does rule the nations today. He came to change the hearts of men. That's why he came. And so verse three goes on to say he was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows. Why is that important? Well, he understands emotional pain. He acquainted himself with the deepest grief. He knows what it means to suffer, to feel lost. And here's what the Bible says, that we all, through the generations, from the beginning of man until now, we've all turned our back on him and at times not even cared. Why is this important? Because Jesus was a man who knew rejection. He knew rejection because he was rejected in every way possible. Now, throughout history, we have many examples of people who faced and overcame rejection. I don't know if you know this, but Albert Einstein did not speak a word until he was four years old. His family thought there was something wrong with him. I, I probably would agree with him. If my kid didn't talk till they were four, something isn't right here. It- the elementary school teachers considered him lazy and a bit crazy because he would ask abstract questions that did not make any sense to him or his classmates. He was an object of ridicule in his school. However, he kept on eventually formulating the theory of relativity, an idea that most of us still don't understand, if you were to pull that out right now. All I know is it's changed science and the way that people see the world. How about this guy? Maybe somebody uh, you younger people can relate to a little bit more, Michael Jordan. What a great story. Did you know he was cut from both the 7th and 8th grade basketball teams because he was considered too slow and too short? His basketball coaches did not think he would ever be any good, but this only fueled his passion to get better until one day his physical stature caught up with this athletic skill. And in the opinion of many, he is and was the greatest player that ever played the game of basketball. How about Theodore Giselle? Now, who, who is he? Well, if you're into literature, you probably recognize this name. He was a man who whose first 27 novels that he wrote were rejected by every publishing company. In fact, many of them referred to his work as pure rubbish. Pure rubbish. However, he would not quit, and one day... A desperate children's literature editor who needed a miracle to save his job asked him if he had anything that he could provide for children. It just so happened that he had a children's book called The Cat in the Hat. And in a moment, Dr. Seuss was born. You see, we have many examples of people in the Bible Joseph was rejected by his brothers and sold into slavery. Moses was rejected by both the Egyptian people and his own people, the Israelites, yet he became a great leader. I could go on and on, but here's what I want to share today, and I know this probably isn't going to encourage you a lot at this moment, but stay with me. Unfortunately, rejection is part of life. At some point, we all face the pain of rejection. I remember when I was in grade five, and I know I've talked about her a little bit, but I'm going to share a different angle to the story, that I had my first deep like with the girl who sat next to me in school. There was a big problem, though, with my affections. She didn't like me. In fact, she liked my best friend instead of me. And what she would do is she would Talk to me about him, sharing about how she thought about him, and asking what I thought about him. I didn't really want to tell her what I thought of him. But I did what every grade five student would do. I went and told my friend that she liked him, who told her friend who ended up telling her. Well, I didn't think that was such a big deal until one moment we were out on the playground, and I discovered what the term fiery redhead meant because in the midst of me standing with my friend, she walked up to me and slapped me across the face. (sighs) Not only did my face hurt, not only was there pain in my face, but my heart, my heart was wounded, and I asked myself, would I ever be able to love again? (laughs) Well, that lasted a week, and I was on to something new and more exciting. You see, we've all faced or are facing rejection. We've had a broken or strained relationship with a parent or a sibling. A marriage that has gone bad or a serious relationship that that things just went sideways with. A betrayal by a close friend. Somebody that you thought was your, your bestie all of a sudden now is talking negatively about you. Or maybe you have walked into a group and had the pain of people laughing at you, making fun of you because you didn't fit or they didn't know you, or maybe even worse, you're just ignored by everybody. Each of these situations is difficult and and, and it can cause great pain in our life. And the question that we have to ask ourselves or that we must figure out is, do we love again? Do we reach out again? Do we trust God with our heart or do we attempt to insulate ourselves from experiencing even more pain? You see, rejection, if it's not dealt with, can stick to us if we don't deal with it properly. It can grow into a, a root of rejection, a spirit of rejection that impacts every part of our life, robbing us of our peace, security, and even our best relationships. Rejection I say this is like wearing a stinky jacket that everywhere we go, it just, it, this thing comes off of us that repels people and things because this thing is on our spirit. So, what are some signs today? Because I believe Jesus died, Jesus was rejected so that we could, each one of us, be accepted. I believe that Jesus went to the cross so that we wouldn't have to carry that stigma, that we wouldn't have to feel that rejection, but we could know that God loves us and that we're approved and that he's accepted us just where we're at today. Can I hear an amen for that? So what are some signs that you might be suffering with the spirit of rejection? Number one, you constantly isolate yourself. Now, we're not talking about moments in your day where you just need to get away from people and you need some time for yourself. We're not talking about if you're an introvert that the fact that you recharge by spending some time having walks by yourself or doing those things. That's a good thing. Healthy people spend time alone and they spend time alone with people that they really love. That's just part of life. But what I'm talking about is if you're at the place in your life where you now are avoiding Spending time with people. You consistently avoid spending time with people. It's where you begin to make excuses as to why you cannot do activity with friends or, or family. It's where you will not allow yourself even to bond with people because you, you don't want them to know too much. And you feel like, you know what, I just got to gotta keep that space here because this is, this is what's safe. I don't want to get hurt again. I'll never let anybody do that to me again. But here's the problem. You and I were designed to be in relationship with one another. God created us to walk together with people. In fact, do you remember this? The only thing in creation that God said was not good was for man to be alone. That God provided Eve for Adam. He did not want Adam to be all by himself on the planet. And that's still God's design and desire for each one of us, is that we would have people that we allow into our lives. I had a pastor say this to me a few years ago as I was going through some difficult things, and I, I realized that one of the ways that I cope with difficulties at times is I pull away and I disengage from people. I kind of like to hide why? Because I don't like rejection any more than the next guy. And this is what he said to me. He goes, Pastor, isolation and loneliness are always a choice. It's a choice you make. It's not that it just happens. It's that you make a choice for it to happen. Number two, what are some signs that maybe a spirit of rejection has caught a hold of you? Is that you constantly seek the approval of others. You're elated when people laugh at your jokes. You like it when people are are looking at you like, man, that's a good one, but you feel depressed and discouraged when people kind of blow you off, or maybe they give attention to somebody else. How about this one in our our context of where we live today? Your feelings of self-worth are built up or torn down by the number of likes you get on social media. Hello. Oh, I sent out a post. Oh, oh, oh. One like and it's my mom. Doesn't count. You know, some of us if we're not careful, we can look at those things and it becomes almost like a ah, I need this to know that people like me. We feel rejected when we're not greeted and acknowledged by people, especially leaders or those in authority. And if we're not careful, we begin to compare ourselves to everybody around us. Well, how about this person? Well, people seem to like them. Maybe if I was like them, or they, if I could just do that, maybe people would like me more. I just want approval. I remember when I was in school again, and I, I find this kind of amazing that I went to a new school when I was in grade five. I, and it was a new experience for me. And I was like most kids. I just wanted to fit in and I was somebody that that sought approval from people. And 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 this is what's crazy. In my grade five class, there were two other boys with the same name as mine, Todd. I mean, I, I've never seen anything like it before. And nothing since then. It was just kind of this convergence of the Todds on the planet that were in this one room. And so my teacher, in order to distinguish us, you know, gave us each a nickname. Uh, Todd Anderson was the name of the first guy who became Todda. Uh, Todd Clevitz was the second guy He became Todd Toddum. And I was Todds because I was Todd Swisher. And so that's how she would call us. Now here's what you need to know about these guys. Todda was an incredibly good-looking young man. He was the California boy. He was kind of the surfer-looking dude. All the girls were in love with him. They were always passing him notes and doing everything, and it was like, oh, man, if I could just be like that, Todd, I, then that would be cool. And Todd Misklevitz, now, he was different. He was the class clown. Everybody just thought he was funny. He was always telling jokes, doing crazy things. People were like, oh, he's just the funniest. And then there was me, and I just go like, yeah, here's me. Just plain old me. How do I measure up? Well, I was, if you know about my life, had grown up without a father around. And so I was always seeking out attention and would do different things. And I kind of got myself into trouble at times because my reputation was this. The principal would come to me whenever there was an issue in the school and say, Todd, either you did it or you know who did it. And so I would look for approval. It was like a drug for my soul. I'd do anything to get that next hit of approval. Constantly seeking the approval of others. Number three, you always feel like an outsider when you're around groups of people. You see, the spirit of rejection pushes you to believe that you do not belong in any group and that you're just an outsider. You can be having a great time with friends, but a whisper can be spoken between two other people or a funny glance is given or or a teasing uh, comment can bring up overwhelming feelings of insecurity and cause you to pull back and disengage from the conversation or the group. You see, you can assume that most people are uh, against you. You look for reasons for people to reject you and you feel and, it, and I got to say this, it's rarely based on facts. It's like these things that we can build in our minds when we're around people that, well, people just don't like me. They don't want to be around me. And so all of a sudden, we start to give off this funky vibe and all of a sudden, we don't understand that that's what's actually pushing people away. It's that spirit of rejection is actually coming back and pulling you away from people. So as an act of self-preservation... I don't know if you've ever done this you reject others before they can reject you. You see if this doesn't stop we can begin to think that nobody understands us nobody knows what we're going through and it leads us to become overly critical of other people especially church people and other leaders and the greatest problem to this is that we don't realize is that all of our focus becomes on ourselves it's a me problem now that we've created and we're a victim and People don't notice us or accept us. There's a quote made by an unknown person that says this. When we're in our 20s, we care about what everybody thinks about us. However, when you are in your 40s, you don't care about what anybody thinks. And when you reach your 60s, you realize they weren't thinking about you at all. You see, if we don't deal with this thing, it ultimately leads to number four here today. That unresolved rejections leads us to believe that God has rejected us. You see, we filter the church and the Bible through the lens of rejection we believe that God does do good things. He, he does good things. We, we see it. We can even be a Christian and believe that God does good things. He just doesn't do good things for me. Or the things that he does, I'm always kind of catching the leftovers or I'm second rate. And it, all the good stuff really happens to other people. And if I'm not careful and I allow that to continue to fester in my spirit, then I can begin to believe that, then, well, God really then actually isn't good and he can't be trusted. And so if he can't be trusted, that's where we enter into where there's an orphan spirit where I believe I must fight for everything I have. i got to fight for me. i got to take care of me. i got to protect me. i got to look out for me. i got to make sure that I'm taken care of because nobody else will. And all I can say to you is that it's, exhausting, and it leads to more pain and more agony. But today, if I can speak life and I can speak hope even into one person for this, I want to say again today that Jesus was rejected so that you could be accepted because he was rejected so that you would be accepted You see, Jesus bore the ultimate rejection. First of all, he was despised by his own people. The religious leaders didn't like him because they were jealous of him. I'm here to tell you today, sometimes you're going to run into people who have their own insecurities, their own issues, and the reason they don't like you, it's not because of you, because they don't like themselves even, and they're, they're jealous of what God is doing in your life, and they're going to try to tear you down, and that's why you've got to understand that he was rejected, and today you have been accepted and approved by the blood of Jesus Christ. He was beaten by his enemies for crimes he didn't commit. And all the while dying on the cross, listen to this, you and I have never had to face this. Dying on the cross, he had to endure his heavenly father, turning away from him because of the ugliness and the vileness of the sin he was carrying. His own father looked away from him, turned his back on him for a moment, and Jesus cried out, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? Why did he do that? He took all the rejection the world could muster so that we would know that we are approved and accepted today. I want to read this scripture today in Romans 8, verses 14 to 17, because this is what Jesus has done for us. This is what God has set up for us. It says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. You're a child of God here today, folks. So you've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share in his glory, we must also share In his suffering. I'm sorry we can't get around that, folks. Part of being a follower of Jesus is that it isn't always easy, but you have to know who you are. First of all, I want to say this you are family. God today says, You are mine. I've been waiting for you. Wherever you're at today, I don't know what you're experiencing in your life. I want you to know today that God is actually saying from heaven, You are mine. You are my son. You are my daughter. You are part of my family. All you have to do is receive Jesus in your life. You have to allow Jesus to be the Lord of your life. He's made a way because those who have made that decision today, you are now a son or daughter of God. And why is that important? Because I believe this, that many of us don't see ourselves always as sons and daughters. We see ourselves as outsiders, even slaves. I believe this, that God says when you're a child, there's a different way that you look at things. You're now an owner. You're not just somebody that is is just existing. You now are part of the future of what God wants to to do. That God says, I want to, when you know that you're accepted as a child of God, it should give you a new confidence. It should fill you with a new boldness to ask for whatever you need. Secondly, not only are you family, you are heirs and joiners with Christ, that you have privileges. You see, a slave doesn't have any extra privileges except that he lives in the house. An heir understands something that everything that God has is for you to use. It's part of His gift to you, that He has an inheritance for you, both in this life and the life to come. Some of you today need to start being owners, you need to start taking ownership in the house. God wants to remove your darkness and bring life and joy into you. He wants you to take your gifts and add those gifts to the gifts of the other people. You have special benefits and privileges as a child of God. You are loved and accepted. I want to finish by sharing this today and then we're going to pray. This message isn't just something for me that was a good idea. This was very personal for my life. I believe that when I talk about the spirit of rejection, that it was something I've battled with along the way of my journey of following Jesus. You see, I grew up in a divorced family. Not only did I walk live through one divorce, but my mom was divorced twice. It was very painful. And I cannot even remember a time when my parents were together. <laughs> they were divorced by the time I was a year and a half. That's how long that lasted. And I was the pawn in many of my parents' battles. In fact, when I was 13 years old, my dad made a decision to disown me because of some of the struggles and tension that were going on in our family. And he called me up and he said, son, he he didn't call me, son, he said, Todd, you're no longer my son. I don't love you anymore. I don't want to see you ever again. That was very painful. But you see, that wasn't to me the hardest thing. The hardest thing, the biggest hurt came from my mom's dad, my grandfather, He hated me even before I was born because, again, part of my story was that my mom got pregnant before she was married. Well, for my grandfather, who was a very prominent businessman in our community, one of the wealthiest people in the city that I grew up in, he could not handle that. And so he kicked my mom out of the house, and I was born in a home for unwed mothers. Now, eventually, my mom moved back into the area Uh, We lived in some poor uh, housing because my grandfather and my grandparents weren't going to help us. And the problem was, is that every time I was around him, he either threatened me or he would actually beat me. It was a very difficult and scary thing in my life. When I was older and I could read, when he was angry or disappointed with me or he was just frustrated, he would send me letters telling me I was not wanted and I did not belong to the family. When I talk about a spirit of rejection here today, folks, I want you to know this has been really real to me. But here's the good news. You see, for most of my life, I thought I was a mistake and a disappointment. But how many know that's not true? Say that, not true. You see, Jesus changed everything. And I say this to you that Jesus changed changes everything. I share this with you, not so that you will have a a, a pity party for me, but that you will understand that when people talk to me about, pastor, you don't know my pain, I think I have a little bit of an understanding of what it feels like for people to come against me. And I'm just here to tell you today that Jesus is much bigger, that Jesus is greater, that Jesus can do more things, that he was rejected so that you and I could be accepted. And I want you to know when I discovered and I Really discovered it in my teenage years that God loved me, that He had a plan for me. I'll tell you what, there was no way I was going to go back to anything else. Nobody was going to take that away from me. And I'm here to tell you today God's design and His desire for you is that you would understand that you were loved, that you're approved, that you're wanted. And that nobody, if you decide, nobody can take that away from you today. That you have the privileges of sonship. Even if you've had parents that said, you're not wanted. Even if you've had people that won't talk to you or love you anymore. Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you. I will never leave you or forsake you. He was rejected so that you and I could be accepted. So I want to pray today. Maybe maybe some of you are in different scales of this, but maybe there's some lies, lies that you've believed about yourself. Maybe people have said things to you and you've lived in a place where you feel constantly like you're a second-class citizen, like somehow you don't deserve the best of what God has. I'm just telling you today, God was sent a son who was rejected so that you could be accepted maybe today you're like pastor you don't know what I've done it doesn't matter what you've done the blood of Jesus is bigger it is greater it is more powerful he wants to heal you he wants to restore you but more importantly he wants you to grab a hold of who you are in him it's not what you do it's who you are